0: Happy Sunday IES teens. This is Pastor Anthony. For those of you who don't know me, for short, you could call me Pastor Ants or just Pants. I want to say thank you for having me back, for welcoming me back, and thank you for this honor and this privilege to share the Word of God today. And I'm excited to preach. I'm excited to um, share what God has placed in my heart about your sermon series about Jesus first. But before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Josh, to Matt, and to Titus, and all the leaders at IES Teens. Teens, did you know that you have such amazing, dedicated leaders that are serving you? Leaders and volunteers. Leaders like Isabel and many other ones that I can't mention all here. But I want to encourage you to send your leaders a message, to appreciate them, to say thank you for using their time and their talent and their treasure to lead you, to serve you, to minister to you, to walk with you, to do life with you. So appreciate them, honor them, give them a message, letting them know how much you care about them, how much you appreciate them. Pray with them and pray for them, amen? All right, so as usual, before I start my sermon, At IES Teens, I always begin with a word of prayer. Well, yeah, word of prayer. But before even the word of prayer, I want to begin with a joke. But I need to warn you, my jokes, the first time you hear it, man, that's a lame joke. That's what's going to go through your mind. But without you knowing it, inside your heart, my joke is going to creep up to you. This dad joke is going to creep up to your heart and you won't even know, but your heart is going to be just laughing out loud. So are you ready? Are you ready for my dad joke? This is joke number one out of five. Just kidding. I'm only going to share one joke. Okay, so here's the joke. What did Jay-Z call his wife before they got married? What did Jay-Z called his wife before he got married? So his wife is like, if you like it, put a ring on it. If you like it, put a ring on it, right? I'm sure you know who it is. So what did Jay-Z called his wife after he put a ring on it. Obviously, fiancé. Man, I cracked myself up. I know I know you're laughing. I know you're laughing out loud. I can't see you, but I know you're laughing. All right, enough of the jokes. Got that out of the way. So today I have two texts. These two texts are going to be the basis of the sermon that I'm going to share today, part of your Jesus First Sermon series. The two texts are Matthew 6.33 and the second one is 1 Timothy verse 4, um, chapter 4, verse 8. But before we get to it, let's pray. Father God, we come before you. Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today. Holy Spirit, would you come and illuminate your word? Give us the ability to retain what we hear. Give us the ability to understand your message. Give us the ability to have courage, to be doers of your word. Help us to concentrate. Help us to listen. Help us to hear your message today. And help me, Lord, to convey your heart, your message clearly. Guide my words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, the first text is Matthew 6.33. I'm gonna read the NIV. I'm gonna use that as the foundation of where we're gonna go. It says, but first seek his kingdom but first seek His kingdom, God's kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, second, I'm going to read the Living Bible Translation, Matthew 6.33. It says, And He will give them to you if if you give Him first place in your life and live as He wants you to do. Notice that it says, If you give Jesus, if you give Him first place in your life and live as He wants you to. So to live, to give Jesus the first place um, in your life, it means that Jesus, that you're living this lifestyle of Jesus first. That's the Jesus first lifestyle is giving Jesus the first place in your life and to do what he wants you to do. Um, To live Jesus first lifestyle, that means to learn to let Jesus win. That's right. If you want to live the uh, the lifestyle of having Jesus first in your life, you have to learn how to let Jesus win. You have to learn um, to let Jesus be first in every area of your life. You have to learn how to surrender to Jesus at all times in order for him to be first. Now, letting Jesus win in every area of your life is not easy because it's not natural, it's not natural for us to wanna to lose because everybody likes to win, right? Everybody wants to win and it feels good to win. So when we let Jesus win, it's, gonna requ- it's, it's, it's unnatural, it's gonna require us to have some kind of training, it's gonna require practice from us to let Jesus win, to let Jesus have first place. Maybe you're asking yourself right now, why should I allow Jesus to win? Well, I'll give you the answers. When we allow Jesus to win, we actually win. Allowing Jesus to win is always a win-win-win-win situation for us. See friends, take note of this. You will never lose in life when you... Sorry, you will never lose in life when you allow Jesus to win. Let me say that again. You will never lose You never lose out in life if you allow Jesus to take first place in your life. Matthew 16, verse 25 to 26, it says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? See, when we lose to Jesus, when we allow Jesus to win, we're the ones who are actually winning. So based on our text, based on Matthew 6.33, the Jesus first lifestyle means to first and foremost to prioritize above all else seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, based on Matthew 6.33. So we, before we define what is God's kingdom and his righteousness? Before we define what that looks like in our daily lives, we need to know something um, that's very important about seeking God. And this is what we need to know about seeking God. I'm going to take you to Old Testament and New Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah saying, and when we search God, we will find Him. If we seek Him diligently with our heart. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, says, Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. And knock, it will be opened to you. And James, the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 4 verse 8 says, If we draw near to God, He draws near to us. See, friends, God wants to be found. So when you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, you will definitely find God. See, I play hide, and sometimes I play hide and go seek with my kids. But when I play hide and go seek with them, I hide in plain sight so that they can find me. The goal is for my kids to find me. The goal is not for me to hide in a place where I can't be found. And that's the same with God. God wants to be found. Not only will you find Him when you seek Him, but He will reward you as well. Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hallelujah. When you seek Him, you will be rewarded. Isn't that great? So this Jesus first lifestyle, it means to learn to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness above all else. It's learning to let Jesus win, and and when you do that, you will never lose out in life. When you allow Jesus to win, when you allow Jesus to take first place in your life, you will never lose out. And so are are you following me so far, okay? So the Jesus first lifestyle, it's seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness, to seek that above all else. So the question is, what is God's kingdom? And what is his righteousness? Well, the ministry, the life and the ministry of Jesus was centered around this message of God's kingdom. Jesus went from city to city, town to town, to proclaim, to declare that the kingdom of God is here. Jesus taught and he preached about the kingdom of God, about the life of the kingdom of God. And he performed miracles demonstrating the power and of the kingdom of God. Not only did he perform miracles, he cast the evil spirits to perform the power of the kingdom of God. Jesus also taught about kingdom living. In God's kingdom, Christ is the king. We bend the knee to Jesus. We let Jesus win. We bend the knee to Christ. Jesus taught everyone how to live within the rulership of God's kingdom. Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is centered in the teaching about God's kingdom and His righteousness. His righteousness means right living, right living with God, right living with one another. And so putting Jesus first, it means not only do we bend to God's kingdom, but we bend the knee to God's rule, we bend the knee um, to living according to God's way, His righteousness, to have right relationship with God and to have right relationship with one another. That's what it means to live the Jesus first lifestyle. Um, So living this Jesus first lifestyle will require you to practice, will require you to have training. Because as I said, it's unnatural for us to allow others to win. It's not natural for us to allow Jesus to win. So allowing Jesus to be first, allowing Jesus to win will require practice and training. Which brings me to our second text for today. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, it says physical training is good. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life, in this life now and the life to come. This is Paul writing to Timothy, his protege, his, um, his disciple, his spiritual son. So basically what it's saying is that living the Jesus first lifestyle is to train in godliness. And training in godliness promises benefits. It promises rewards in this life and the life to come in eternity. So the question is, what is godliness? Well, simply put, godliness is being like God. Godliness is being like Christ. Godliness is being conformed to the image of Christ. Godliness is prioritizing and integrating The kingdom of God, the rule of God, the kingship of Jesus is to prioritize that, to integrate that into our life and to integrate and prioritize his righteousness, right living in every area of our lives. So that's what um, godliness is, is to prioritize, to integrate the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God into every area of our lives. So what does that look like? What does godliness look like? Well, it means, um, godliness looks like this. If you are consistently the same person, the person who prioritizes and integrates Jesus first, the person who's living this Jesus first lifestyle, if you are consistently the same person, if you are the same person wherever you are, wherever you go, and whoever you are with, if you are consistently that person who puts Jesus first, that's what godliness looks like. You, if you are the same person at church and you are the same exact same person at school, at home, if you are the same person wherever you are, wherever you go, whoever you're with, that's what godliness looks like. So friends, we can't be one way with our church friends and a different way with our school friends and in a different way when you're with family A different. That's not consistent. That's not what godliness is. So, godliness is a person who strives to allow Jesus to be first in their life. Godliness is a person who strives to allow Jesus to win. Godliness is a person who has Christ as his his or moral compass. Let me say that again. Godliness is a person who has Christ as his or hers moral compass. Now that we have a better understanding, a better idea, of This Jesus first lifestyle and an idea of what it means to 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 be godly and how that's lived out I want to talk about how to train for godliness Saves physical training is good, but training for godliness is even better So how do we do that? Well allow allow me to introduce you three thoughts or three tips The first one is have you heard of the mamba mentality? That's why I'm wearing the shirt. I um, Kobe is my favorite player. Um, Kobe played, He's we're about the same age, we're one year, I'm a bit one year older, so he's like my little brother, you know. He played in LA for 20 years, I lived in LA for 25 years, so pretty much my whole adult life is just like cheering for Kobe, yelling at Kobe, crying when he won, crying when he lost, crying when he injured his Achilles, crying during his watching the Lakers parade crying when he gave his speech on his last game and he dropped 60. I mean, who does that, right? Kobe does. And definitely crying the entire week when that accident tragic happened, accident happened, him and his wife and the others who crashed in that helicopter. I was actually in LA when it happened. So I got to take my brother and my son to go to the uh, Staples centers and um, to to just, yeah, pay respects to Kobe. Anyway, have you heard of the Mamba Mentality? So what does that got to do with training, right? Well, the Mamba Mentality is a mindset for constant self-improvement in the pursuit of your highest potential in life. That's who Kobe was. That's what he believed. He believed in that Mamba Mentality. And that's what he was known for. Kobe loved the process of self-improvement. Kobe loved the process of improving more than the actual product itself. He loved the process of being a great player more than just being a great player. Kobe believed that by loving the process, his game will follow. So Kobe was known for his crazy work ethic, um, known for his work regimen. Kobe fell in love with practicing, fell in love with doing the same things over and over and over on a daily basis. He says, that's the dream. So to train for godliness, I want to suggest that we need to adopt that mamba mentality. Learn to love the process. Learn to love practicing doing the same things over and over on a daily basis. So if we want to train for godliness, first let's adopt mamba mentality. Secondly, I've been I just started reading this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And in his book, he says, you do not raise, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems, right? So it's, it's that we don't rise to the level of our goals, but we fall to the level of our systems. And our goal, godliness, that's the desired outcome, right? If we want to train for godliness, oh, that's the, I want to be godly. Well, what he's saying is that um, we don't rise up to that goal. And instead, is our systems, is the collection of daily habits that will get us there. We might have this goal, but if we don't have system, daily habits, we're not going to get there. So to train in godliness, he says, spend less time focusing on the outcome. So if we want to train in godliness, spend less time focusing on the outcome. Oh, I want to be godly. Stand, just don't spend too much time thinking that you want to be godly. But spend more time focusing on the habits that precede the results. So to train in godliness, you must have a process. You must have a system. You must have habits and programs. That leads me my third point um, in how to train in godliness. First one, be like the mamba. Love the process, right? Love practicing, doing the same thing over and over. Be tenacious, be consistent and persistent at it. Number two, don't just focus about the goals because we don't rise up to the level of our goals. And if we don't have systems in place, it's just gonna set us up for failure. And number three, we need to have or we need to start a self-feeding program. Um, Pastor Wayne Cordero, he says, you can't can't expect others to feed you. You can't expect others to um, spoon-feed you spiritually, right? Wouldn't it be great if we could outsource our training? Wouldn't it be great if we could outsource having a six-pack? You could have um, Posh to do sit-ups for you, to eat healthy for you. And, and while he does that, you get the six-pack. That doesn't, that's not, that's not going to work that way, right? You, only you can get a six-pack for yourself. And that applies to having or living this Jesus-first lifestyle. To train in godliness, only you can do it for yourself. To train in godliness, you can't expect others to spoon-feed you spiritual food. You can't depend on this weekly feeding program that you are experiencing right now. You can't only, you don't just depend on this. This is what we call Sunday sermon, right? Sunday sermons are absolutely necessary. Don't get me wrong. It's necessary, but it's just not sufficient. It's just not enough. Sunday sermons are like supplements, but they're not the sustenance. Sustenance is the Word of God. The Word of God is sustenance. The Word of God is the source of your strength and nourishment. So as you continue to grow in age, as you continue to grow in Christ, as you continue to learn how to put Jesus first in your life, you're going to learn, you're going to need to learn to feed yourself on a daily basis. Feed yourself sustenance. God's word. God's word is sustenance. You're going to need to learn how to feed yourself on a daily basis. It's your responsibility. No one can do that for you. And when you have the Word of God in you, the Word of God will point you to Jesus. And it's all about encountering Jesus. Now, I know many of you have already started. You already have this self-feeding program. And that program is called SOAP. You all know what SOAP is, right? So first of all, I want to say thank you to all the IES team leaders and volunteers who's being available to lead these small groups. And good job to all of you, the teenagers who are participating in soap. If you're not in soap yet, you have to get in soap, okay? Um, Tell Posh, tell Matthew, tell um, Titus, they'll connect you to a soap group right away. So like I said, I know many of you already know what um, soap is, but I wanna highlight, and I wanna highlight the function and the benefits of soaping that maybe you didn't see before. So the function to do soap or soaping is to get as much of the Word inside of you, to get as much of God's Word in you. And you need to get the Word of God in you at at all times, right, especially in good times, because in bad times, you're gonna need God's Word. In hardship, you're gonna need God's Word. And if you already have all this, all His Word in you during hardship, God's Word is just gonna flow out of you, right? So that is the function of soaping is to engage with God's Word. And as you engage with God's Word, God's Word is going to point you to Jesus. So that's the function of soap. Well, what are the benefits of soaping? Well, the benefits of soaping is you are receiving sustenance straight from the source. You are receiving God's Word. The sustenance that's going to give you strength and nourishment, you are receiving it directly from the source, from God himself. And as you read scripture on a daily basis, as that becomes your habit, as that becomes your program, your system, eventually you're gonna experience a change. See, in the beginning, you read scripture, right, to understand it and you just read it. But eventually when that becomes your default and you read more and more of God's word, what happens is that God's word, scripture, is going to begin to read you instead, okay? Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, The word of God is alive, is active, is powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It will penetrate, even dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So that's the other benefit um, of doing soap. That you read God's word, and as you read it more and more, God's word is going to read you. And the last benefit is to allow the Holy Spirit to be your mentor, to allow your, the Holy Spirit to be your coach, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you because you are receiving directly from Him. See, the Holy Spirit plays. Uh, a big role in how we understand scripture, and he helps us, he guides us to apply what we've learned. There's a theologian named Donald Blosh. He says, our goal is not merely to repeat scripture. See, our goal is not to merely just repeat it and read it, but is to apply scripture under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to a new situation. Doing theology is being taught by God, the source himself, and being formed by God and to fit instruments of his service. It involves an in-depth engagement with the word of God, animated by a zeal for the glory of God. Amen. Well, friends, let me recap what we've learned today, right? Jesus first. Jesus first is a lifestyle, right? Jesus first is a lifestyle, is learning how to allow Jesus to win in every area of your life, is learning to bend the knee to Jesus kingship in every area of your life, is declaring, Lord Jesus, you are Lord over my life, is learning to seek, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to have right living with God, with everyone else above all else. That is what it means to live as Jesus first, to have the Jesus first lifestyle, And living this Jesus-first lifestyle, it requires training because it's hard. It doesn't come naturally. And it requires us to train for godliness, to have spiritual exercise. And in order for us to train well, we can learn from the mamba himself. We need to adopt the mamba mentality, to love the process of improving self, to doing the same thing over and over and over every single day. And we can learn from James Clear, from that book, Atomic Habits, that we're not gonna rise to the level of our goals. If we just set ourselves. Oh, I wanna be godly, and we don't have a system, we don't have program, we're setting ourselves for failure. So instead of focusing on the result, you and I, we need to focus more on having this program of feeding ourselves on a daily basis. So friends, I'm so encouraged um, by what all of you are doing. I hope the message has been helpful for you. I'm encouraged to know that you are being exposed to all these things and learning about Jesus first and having that as a lifestyle at such a young age. So God bless you. And remember, you will never lose out in life by putting Jesus first. Amen. Alright, so I want to close with the time of prayer. I want to give you an opportunity for those who of you who are listening. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, I want to give you that opportunity. Um, if you've never experienced the love of the Father just showering you, affirming you with his love, I want to give you that um, this opportunity. All you have to do, wherever you are, you just whisper in your heart or just say it. You simply by saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you've done that, you've begun the process of being born again. Now, if you made that decision, um, don't go after this. Join a pit stop. Tell your leader that you've made that the decision, that they're going to be so excited for you, and they're going to be ready to walk with you and to guide you through the next steps. Now, perhaps some of you or many of you, you've invited Jesus into your life, but you haven't been the need. You've only bend the knee in the areas that you want to bend the knees, meaning that Jesus is not Lord over every area of your life. So I wanna give you the opportunity today to declare that Jesus is King, that He is Lord. I wanna give you the opportunity to bend the knee, to declare Him Lord over all of your life. Friends, it's time to let Jesus win. It's time to allow Jesus to be number one in your life. Now if that's you, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, it is so hard to surrender to you. It is so hard to bend the knee to declare you Lord as over all of our lives. So I pray Lord that you give us the courage to do that. I pray Lord that you teach us how to seek your kingdom and your righteousness above anything else in our lives. I pray Father God that you would teach us what it means to put Jesus first above all else, what it means to live the Jesus first lifestyle. Teach us, Lord, to surrender to your rulership. Give us the courage, give us the desire, renew our hearts so that we would want to do what pleases you. And Lord, teach us how to be persistent, how to be consistent in training for godliness. Would you send us people to help us train, to coach us, to mentor us, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again, IS Teens. It's been great spending time with you. Pastor Josh, thank you for having me. Happy Sunday, everyone, and God bless you.